Oh, maybe they just mute me. Are you unmuted? Do you seem like a real person now? I, mean, I feel I feel all right. I don't need to see me. You look great. Okay, great. If you wander off, we'll just tell you. Okay, awesome. All right, look, we're already podcasting, so we're here. <laughs> we're here with our guest. We haven't introduced the guest. We did a we did a little intro, and and people don't know who the guest is. They don't know when they click on it. They do, but Jesse thinks that some of our our listeners can't read, and so they might not have been aware. That's true. Sometimes they scroll. Spotify is doing an infinite scroll like TikTok yeah. these days, so maybe you don't even know where you're showing up to. Exactly. Well, look, you you've heard his voice. I I actually I wrote a little thing. We're not we usually just wing it, but I wrote a little intro. So I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you with it with it with a great quote, and then nothing else. This is an unscripted podcast. We promise. Our guest today, as you can read, that's not in the script, but you know, our guest today is Ryan Miller. Ryan met his two bandmates in college as they cut their musical teeth in the harsh, harsh landscape of the greater Boston area. They upgraded their band name from Gus to Guster, and in doing so, set them on their path to success. Their third album's hit single, Fa Fa, made it into the adult top 40, and their next album, Keep It Together, cracked the Billboard top 40. Notably, it was also the album that I sang to for months in my 1983 Volvo station wagon in an attempt to learn how to sing harmony. It sort of worked. In addition to writing and recording eight full-length albums with Guster, Ryan has scored multiple films, created a TV series, and is voluntarily here today as our guest. He is truly one of our favorite singers and songwriters, and his band is one of our all-time favorite to tour with. Let's give a big old famous welcome to Ryan Miller. Very well done. Thanks. Well done. I'm glad I don't have to write things. That's good. Well, now you know about you. You didn't know all that stuff. I did not know about the 83 Volvo, though. That was new information. It's not in, it was not, I, not in your official bio. That's true. Um, okay. Yeah. That's cool. I'm into it. But yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that. And, uh, it helped. <laughs> I can, now I mostly just sing lead, which there is way it. better. Now it's gone. Um, from a, me having a harmonized standpoint. Where are you guys right now? Jesse and I are in Brooklyn, New York. Yep, greetings from Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, I'm in, uh, this is Tommy, I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, you're in LA. Do you live there now? Yeah. Yeah. You've lived there for a while. Uh, Kind of. It's been a, it's been a sort of gr- gradual process of living out of cars and suitcases, but um, I'm finally, finally taking some roots. Yeah. What part of LA are you in? Uh, currently in a sublet in Silver Lake. Oh, how about yeah. that? Look at you. Look at me. Look at this guy taking over right, the podcast right. already. Right. Who's interviewing who? We don't here, have buddy? time for what do you for... what do you see in the future of music? <laughs> you know, I swear to God, I have a pod I have a podcast that I, I haven't launched yet that I'm like building up that I sold and is a whole thing. No way. And uh we had a big guy that we were supposed to interview today <clears throat> in LA and he said his power, he lost power. He's a billionaire, I think. And then he canceled like 30 minutes before. So I was all sad. And I like stayed up late because I didn't want to waste his time. And I wanted to ask good questions. And then he and then he bailed. But he's going to reschedule. So I think that's why I'm all amped up to be podcast guy. I mean, we can flip the script here. <laughs> you didn't stay up late. You didn't stay I up. stayed up late last night, Ryan. We stayed up late for you. And, and you know what? You showed up. <laughs> I did. At least I show up. Take that billionaire. Stayed, it was unrelated. Yeah, I was watching Seinfeld reruns, but if, uh, if it's not going to like mess up your your you know podcast, is can you ask us one of the questions that you were excited to ask him, and then we'll do our best to answer honestly. Yeah, let me let me. Okay, that's a great that's a great question. I, I don't this isn't like I don't read these verbatim, so don't I would probably wing it a little bit. I saw no, who would read something on a podcast? It's so trashy. All right, it says it says so. You obviously saw value in these song catalogs, and you talk about bringing power back to the songwriters. Did you see this primarily as a financial opportunity? 
community first or was with the songwriter in mind or was that like, or was it, were yours more of a, uh, Oh, see, see, I didn't even read this. Did you see this as a financial opportunity first, or was the songwriter top of mind at the genesis of the concept? It's like he's a, he's a catalog buyer of like he's buying basically. Um, he bought like Neil Young catalogs, and he basically is the guy that started when he would just buy entire catalogs of hit records and uses and sees them as commodities. To and it seems really cynical, but he's a pretty amazing dude. He like. He was Elton John's manager forever. And I think he's like, his Whoa. business partner is Niall Rogers. And he's like, it's, it's a very interesting guy. I was actually a little, I think it kind of threw me off that he didn't do it. Cause I was anyway. Well, the answer in case you're wondering is it, it was for the money. Yeah, same here. It, it was for the money. <laughs> the art is <laughs> always did. secondary, uh, but we wouldn't, outside of the podcast, we yeah. would never no, say a, that. A commodity is a commodity. That's my feeling yeah, on art. Okay, fair enough. You know, look, everyone on this, on this call right now got in this for, you know, as they say in like The Bachelor, like, you know, the right reasons. Money. Which is to make money. <laughs> this was the quickest way to make money. <laughs> you thought, how, what are we good at? Uh, exactly. And it's like, let's, three-piece band, economical. We skipped the bassist, <laughs> you skipped a full drummer. And, uh, you know, we just, we made it work. There was a guy I interviewed the other day, too, um, who we're doing an episode on. It's basically on the music business, how it's eating itself and recreating itself in real time. And I had this uh, idea to do um, kind of a running, like a middle-class musician, like basically someone that just, and he, this dude, Brett Newski, he's from, he's from Milwaukee. He's like a really, he's a smart guy, but he's just kind of this like hustler, but not really late. And he like does Patreon, he plays living room shows. And I thought that was, um, and I thought that was really interesting. And then at the end I was like, well, do you have any advice for young bands? He's like, yeah, don't start a democracy. It's the evil of everything just <laughs> it was he was like you, if you start in democracy it'll be the end of it before it even starts wow. just start your own thing and find the right people and i was like oh whoops <laughs> 32 years too late yeah though, i mean we're the same over here you've done something that we've never figured out how to do which is we started with three and we've kept the three and you you've sort of accumulated people at least on stage and I, i'm sure decision making is a different process but like when did you decide to bring to, to expand like that? Well, we were like it was it was right around Keep It Together because I met Joe Pazapia in Nashville and we were friends and like the first day we met, we wrote this song together, Jesus on the radio in his room. Like I was like playing the bass organ pedals on the G G G G A A. Yeah. So we basically wrote this song and that had never really happened. And then we we had kind of different instrumentation. That's where Brian started playing drums for the first time. And and we were like, hey, do you just want to come on the road? And then he kind of came on the road as like a fourth guy, like a Pat Smear, like, just like, okay, you're not in the band. You're not in the band photos. You're just going to be the live guy. But then when we started writing the next record and it was like, oh, well, I guess you're just in our band. And then, so it just happened pretty organically like that. Like he started on the road, not being like, oh, we need a fourth band member, but he was Joe and he was amazing. And he was there in his time of his life. And then after seven years, I think he was ready to like, he bought a place in Nashville and he built a studio and Katie Lang showed up at his door and was like, we need to make music together. And so it just kind of timed out. And we really only had one other person in mind because at that point we were we were four piece. And then Luke, we all just knew Luke. We met Luke in Nashville and he kind of came in. So 
he kind of came in as a band member and thinking that he would write, but then the writing was awesome with him. And now we kind of tour and Dave is like kind of on this precipice where he's the drum guy, but he's also a writer. And, and so we're, you know, we're, we're in this sort of like other phase too, where we're presented as a five piece, but Dave doesn't really write with us, but we'd also like to write with Dave. So it's all very organic. That was a long-winded answer. Sorry, I love so it. So it's a democracy. <laughs> yeah. Well, now it's a four-person de- democracy. But then I think Luke. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it's always like he's not on this podcast. You can do whatever you want. He's always very, very deferential to like what you guys. Even though he's been in the band for like over eleven years, it, who and there's a guy in the Stones. Yeah. That joined like two years later. Yeah. So he's only been in for like 48 years. The new guy. Like, well, I'm not really, I'm the new guy. I don't think Luke really feels that way, but I think <laughs> he is also has a certain level of respect for the things, for the four records that we made before him or five. That's cool. We technically had another guitarist before Tommy uh, for like a year. So we, we do like to call Tommy the new guy. <laughs> Even yeah. though <laughs> yeah, I'm the new guy. Did you replace him, Tommy? Well, he let he he just transferred schools after his freshman year, so it wasn't super dramatic. And I just I happened to put up a flyer in the music department, so they called me. Yeah. Ben and I have been playing together for 20 years. We've been with Tommy for 19 years. So. <laughs> Who's the guy though? Who's the guy that left? His name is Tiago. Great guy. He's fantastic. Ooh, cool name. Uh, he's, he was he's Brazilian. Was and still is Brazilian. Great guy. Still still keep in touch and wrote super weird guitar parts that we made Tommy learn like to the note. Nice. Which Tommy slowly worked out of the catalog. It's a quick study, though. Tommy, you're a quick study. I've heard your shit. You like getting out there. Yeah, th- those were they were they were. I mean, to Tiago's credit, they were absolutely baffling and in- bafflingly interesting guitar parts. So it took me a while to figure out. Does he still play music? He uh, no. He I mean, he's still like uh, casually, but no, he's in uh, like politics in uh, Brazil. Wait, he lives in Brazil. Well, yeah. He's Brazilian. That's cool. Yeah. No, he's like he's. <laughs> He's a, he's a real Brazilian. He's a really was Oh, I thought you meant like Eric Brazilian. Oh, that's the guy from the Hooters. Sorry, I'm showing my age. So I just wanted to go. I just wanted to circle back. Yeah, bring, bring us back. You know, my uh, one of my burning questions was: Does Luke get an equal vote? And you you went ahead and answered it already. But oh yeah, it's definitely a democracy. Yep. And I think like, although we have a veto. So, oh, sorry. Well, just every trio. Your veto system? Every trio. I'm talking over my guests. I'm listening to Justin Jesse. Every trio does it different, right? Doesn't like Green Day, how many members do they have? Like behind the curtain? You know? Like on three. Behind the curtain. No. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, but there's still just a three. There's still just a trio. Totally. But Same with you, too. Like they have people playing underneath the stage. Yeah, and stuff. I feel like they have auxiliary. <laughs> but then there's Maroon 5 that has like nine people in the band now. And I don't know, like maybe only one person gets a and, vote. I think yeah, yeah. I think Levine figured it out early. He's like, this democracy sucks. I'm just going to turn it into a, into yeah. A, like a, yeah. Did you, so how have you fought, uh, you know, the good fight not to turn it into a, a Ryan dictatorship? I don't know. It's like, it isn't, it's weird. Like we all, we're old, you know, like the three of us are old now. And we, I mean, we met when we were, I don't know, I was 18. Yeah. I was 18 when we met and I'm 50 and we played a show when I was 18, you know? So like we've been playing music. So we really grew up together, like in a real way. And we've kind of go through our things. I wrote a really, nobody knows this, but I like, I wrote a really angry email to Brian the other day and just didn't send it. And I was like, oh, that was cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is growth right there. It was. I think I was like, because I said that to Luke, like, 
I was talking about Luke and I was like, oh yeah, I was super mad at Brian the other day. And I just wrote the super long. He's like, you did. I was like, he's like, that's awesome. I was like, I didn't even think about that. Cause I, I, I didn't write it thinking that I wasn't going to send it. I know what I mean. I was writing with the intention of sending it. Right. And then for whatever reason I didn't. And then everything kind of just went past and the things that I was mad about, he proved me wrong by just his actions. I was like, okay, I was mad about a thing. And and we all kind of flip into our roles at this point. Well, it's funny, your your band and our band, like there are probably more parallels to, to between us than there are between most bands. Like met in college, we're friends, doing the thing. Like it sort of grew and continued to grow. And I don't know if you have the experience, but I, I am often like, how are we still doing this? It's sort of yeah. been like, you know, we've always had a reason to keep going, always had a reason to say yes, still having fun, figured out how not to be total assholes to each other most of the time. <laughs> you, you know what I think I, I thought about this? I think what the last time that we actually had a, a solid hang that I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, was like in May, we were, we went to that place across from the State Theater and like all of Portland caught on fire or something. Were there like police cars everywhere? No, we were, uh, just to dip it, we were on tour with a band called Dirty Heads. They hated us so fucking much. The band didn't, their fans did. And while we were, you know, having our nice like after show drinks, there was a stabbing. In the show. A fan to fan. In the show. There was a stabbing in the show. (laughs) We're just like hanging out and there's just all these ambulances going straight for the theater. Oh my God, that's right. I think you were even talking about like how the fans didn't like you and then like, a fan bust out it, busted out of the venue with blood shooting out of him. And I was like, oh, cue, <laughs> yeah. cue, the, cue the stab wound. That was the tour. I'll get back to it. We, we, we played in, and we're going to, we played in, where was it? New Orleans. And for some reason, they hated us more than anywhere else in New Orleans. And a girl sat in the fifth row, stood in the fifth row, both hands up, flicking me off for the entire 45 minute opening set. Except when we did a Bohemian Rhapsody, she dropped him down, watched, and then as soon as Bohemian was done, the fingers came right back up. Nice. That's nice to take with you. We've had a middle finger up the whole time, too. Yeah, like a whole audience, Florida, just all sea of middle fingers. I love that show. Another similarity is that you guys, I feel like, have substantial side hustles outside of the band. That feels like a parallel and it might actually contribute to the stability of the democracy and of the of the of the band because all of a sudden you're bringing in a lot of other experiences. It also takes kind of the pressure off of it in it a weird way. Like yeah. you're like, oh, okay, I can. I, this isn't everything that I ever dreamed of, and everything that I have to do comes through this one conduit. It's like, well, all right, well, this is my band, but I also, you know, draw bird asses or whatever, you know. Well, ever since I became a bird pornographer, <laughs> the whole band has just seemed like way lighter. Right. We all benefit. We all. Benefit. Benefit from the bird butts. I used to envy Tommy's first side you hustle, do. which was with hey. John Thayer. <laughs> I thought you were going to say prostitution. Tommy was in a conspiracy theory punk band. Yeah. You know, and I, I used to be jealous that you had another outlet. And it was so absurd. And your outlets are still absurd. Well, also, I, I want to say there is there is a weird commonality that I that I, maybe this is as good of a segue point as any. A weird commonality here, which is that I've had, I share two drummers with Guster because you guys toured with... You guys know him as Scooter, who was Andrew Andrew Lawbacker, oh. who was the uh, the drummer of my high school band. I don't think I knew. I don't think I remembered that you and Scooter like had an overlap. That's weird. I definitely knew that you and Thayer went deep, especially on the Anarchy, com- co- you know, conspiracy rock. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it actually tripped me out. The first day we went on tour with you guys, we showed up to the venue, and I saw Andrew from across the room setting up drums, and I was like. 
Andrew? And he was like, Tommy? <laughs> I hadn't seen him since high school because it was like before <laughs> Facebook or any way to connect. So we right. just kind of drifted out of touch. And that was a very beautiful thing to reconnect with him on that tour. And I felt very cool that I had also played drums with him. Yeah, he's an amazing, he's an amazing dude. He's still playing music, Combrio. Yeah, Combrio. Check him out. Check him out. I just realized that we never played our intro song. Yeah. So, so uh this is that <laughs> was the what? intro to what our podcast. Jesse, you have something to say? I'm just gonna say I already know. We'd I'm like gonna, to start the pod. I'm gonna edit this one myself. I already know. What? There's no editing. There's dude. no editing, man. This is how it goes. This is oh I gotta start it over. There we go. This is our guest is Ryan Miller. Glorious day, my son. No, that's the uh, that's the that's the middle of the song. Damn it. Hold on, here we go. Our guest is Ryan Miller. Pretty soon I'm gonna be famous. A little more famous than you. Certain people will greet my name with a proud and mighty boom. And one glorious day, my songs will be played at an airport chili's too. Why, yes, I'm gonna be famous, and you can be. Famish too. Oh man, that's a, that's a real tearjerker. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to Famish. Welcome to Famish, Ryan. How much? What episode are we on right now for you guys? This is one of the things we don't want to say out loud because oh, it's, it's okay. somewhere. It's like episode. This will be episode somewhere five to nine, something like that. Okay, so single digits still. Yeah, you can tell because we forgot to play the theme song <laughs> until <a> minute eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Maybe by episode twenty six, you'll be like, "Oh, the intro song should be near the beginning." In all fairness, I was going to, and then you started interviewing us, and I forgot. I thought I was on your podcast. It's cool, man. People like it when it's a little bit off the rails. They don't need an intro at the beginning. We've never been a very professional band, so this is just right. carrying on a rich tradition. What was the impetus for the creation of this? Like, what was the what was your what was the idea? So I'll take this over a little bit. It's pretty plain and simple. Name of the pod is Famish, and it's about having uh, our friends on and talking about our band and talking about what it's like to have some people think that you're more popular than Jesus, <laughs> and then have some people have no freaking clue who you are, right? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I do want to bring this up because when we came up with this podcast, I thought about Guster. Guster is like such a prime example of a band that has had a lot of commercial highs, but somehow also is like under the commercial lows. Commercial lows yeah. <laughs> Just say it. You you say it better in your own words, I'm sure. But like, you know who Guster is. Well, of course, Ryan yeah. does. Of course you do, because we told you. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys have this wonderful thing. And I remember this, the, even though I don't know if I've told you about this. The first time I saw you guys was when I was, I think I was 13 years old. 14, maybe, in 1999. I think Lost and Gone Forever maybe had just come out. And there's something about your songwriting, the the, the vibe of the band that I think attracts like a long-term following. Like you, you guys have maintained this loyal audience through the decades that doesn't really, you don't have to worry about like the wave crashing of some particular kind of sound because you guys sort of like transcend it. Even though all your records also do have elements of the era that they're in. And it's not really a question. I just like, it's a compliment, but I always have loved that as a fan of your band as well, that like 
every time there's kind of like a new musical, cultural kind of thing, I can hear it in the album that came out in that era, but it always suits you guys so well. Like <laughs> every t- your songwriting is so classic. We should be a hip hop band. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, like, cause you guys started as like a bongo acoustic band. That's when I saw you, you know, the, for the first time. And then you guys just got cooler and cooler. Yeah, it was a bongo band. It's a weird era. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, it definitely, it's not really a chasing of the trends thing necessarily. It, listen, if it were up to me and I didn't have Brian in my band, then we probably would have been a lot more apey about the sound, you know. Although I think with like, I think with Look Alive, which was our last record, we were trying to do, we were a lot more purposeful about, we wanted to make like future music. And we worked with this Leo Abrahams producer who we love and works with Brian Eno all the time and tried to do something. But now, I I mean, I don't know. I don't think that it's ever, it's, I mean, of course it relates. Like, it's like when you hear a, like a, you know, a gated snare drum from the eighties, I'm sure things sound of their era. And I don't think we made like a, you know, both Parachute and Goldfly, our first two records, didn't... I mean, Parachute was way above past where we were as a band, and Goldfly was a disaster of a recording. And, and Lost and Gone Forever, when we did with Steve Lillywhite, was the first time we were like, oh, okay, I thought we were just going to be like a live band. I didn't think we were going to be able to make good records. And then we, I felt like we did make good records, and a lot of those records, to me, stand up. You know, we have to go back and listen to them and be like, you know... I mean, shit, even yesterday, it was crazy. Um, I'm trying to think. I have to find this guy's name because he was awesome. Like, this thing uh, came on Spotify uh, and the Discover Discover Weekly. This beautiful music, uh, this song came on, and it was so rad. It was beautiful, and I was like... I looked and I followed the guy on Instagram on our Guster account and he hit me right back. It was... Um, what's his name? I got to find this because his records are so cool. I can play it for you. We can play it for you. Oh, yeah. Okay. His name is um, Andrew Waslykik, W-A-S-Y-L-Y-K. You guys would like this too. He's from Scotland. And it's like, it's all instrumental and it's really beautiful and it's kind of air adjacent, but also like, it just goes by. It all feels beautiful. Anyway, so I followed him on Instagram because I like, you know, part of it is a little bit. I'm just trying to see if somebody will write me back. And then he did like right away. And hold on, let me see what this is the reason there was, there's a reason I brought it back. And he just said, thanks so much for the follow honored. Keep it together was and remains a massive record for me. Thank you and hope you're all well. And I'm just like, oh, it's so fucking cool. Like this is a guy and I wrote back and I was like, dude, this is awesome. I'm just like, I was playing that record. I think that was his 2020 record on repeat, but he's got like three or four other records. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to dig into your catalog. So it's like moments like that, that and that happened yesterday. You know, it's just like, oh, it's so cool that like it's out there enough that there's a weird little there's a weird chance that somebody's going to pick up on something and be like, Oh, this record was really important to me. And of course that in some ways it's a double-edged sword of just like, okay, but we've made like four records since then jerk, (laughs) but not really, you know, I, I understand like, you know, how this stuff all works. And, and also a lot of times people will then like, I'm think if that guy went and if Andrew went and checked out our last three records, he wouldn't be sad. He wouldn't be like, oh, okay. But that record that, especially the Lost and Gone Keep It Together era, kind of hit people at the right time. And then they kind of did what you were saying, Tommy, like they kind of kept, it, it stayed with them 
And during COVID, we were talking and somebody is like, oh, you know what? You know, it's really hard for new bands, but like bands like you, like legacy bands. And I was like, what? But then I was like, it was the first time anybody had ever said that. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. Like, I get it. You know, like, is Death Cab for Cutie a legacy band? Kind of, you know, like, you know, or The Shins a legacy band or Wilco, like. But also, like, we're not, you get to this point where you're not, like, we're not hustling to, like, beat the system and, like, connect with everything. Like, we're not doing that game that, I mean, I know we did when we were getting going and, you know, we, our records were coming out at different times with different, you know, things that you, different requirements for, you know, finding success. But, like, there's a different energy of, like, I'm just making music I believe in that I love and this isn't everything in the whole world. And every single minute of every single second of my day, it's a different way of like creating and making music. Well, and, and the fact that you have a big enough audience that if you just make something that you love that has integrity, that they'll probably like it too, and be enough to go put you on tour and yeah. keep keep you in the van and keep everybody happy that they want to keep making music. I mean, that's really the whole. That's kind of the whole thing. Well, when when I was when I was talking about Guster, kind of through the eras, like like how the, the, the songwriting always stays just so goddamn high quality and the sound kind of shifts around it. I almost think about it like, like, um, like you, you to me, you guys are like almost like an XTC or something where like, I know what year the record came out, but it doesn't, it's just a, it's just a flavor on top of the songwriting. You know, do you know what I mean? It's, it's cool. I do. And I appreciate that. And I, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to get too like high in my, my songwriting, but like, oh, you should. it's good. You know, the songs are really important. Like, that's why it takes us a really long time. Like, we're sitting on a record right now. We started recording it. This is not a usual thing. COVID really fucked with us. But, like, you know, we some of these songs were, were wrapping this record up. And we recorded, like, maybe, like, a year and a half ago. But it's like, does that still sound good to us? It's like, yeah, okay, that's good. Like, some, I think it's really, like... We want to be able to, and that my quality control isn't always like that, but it is, that's what part of the band is, is they're able to be like, I'm like, what do you mean? That song's awesome. It's like, well, you know, so I think some of it is there is a pretty high quality control for what songs go on records. And even like when we go and we play old records, like start to finish, there's very few songs, maybe the recordings, but the songs themselves, I'm like, oh, that song's pretty good. Like, the lyrics, like I work really hard and it's really hard for me to write lyrics, but like I don't put out shit I don't care about. And like it goes through so many filters. The Venn diagram of this band is so thin, especially working with all these different producers. So like by the time it gets to a record, even though I don't think we've made like, you know, we're not like all the records are amazing. It's just like the songs I feel like kind of get there. And I, I feel like I can, I have a leg to stand on, on the song part of our band absolutely, in a way that maybe like we haven't been accepted into the, that can transcend the, in, from the ish of the fame to the actual fame. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing this South by Southwest panel next week with Brit from spoon and, uh, the got the dudes from the lemon twigs and, uh, Mac from super trunk. And, um, and Colin from the Zombies. We're playing like a zombie oh, song. That's a great panel. All that's right. super cool. I was like, shit, am I the fucking am I the ding dong on this thing? No. But then I but but then like Karen, the person who's putting this panel together, it's like called songs about longing. 
I was like, well, I have a new song I can play. And I played it the other day and I'm like, that song's pretty good. Yeah. Like I'm psyched to play that song for those dudes. Like, I don't think that they're going to look at this song and be like, mm, that guy's a hack. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a good song. Like the changes are good and the melodies are good. Levels of fame and all that. You're obviously an incredible songwriter or else you wouldn't have a career. It's kind of that straightforward. <laughs> right. Like, if you weren't good, we wouldn't be interviewing you because you wouldn't be up to our standards. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that you're the ultimate arbiter. Yeah. For this podcast, I am. And you passed Thank you. my test. I've, I, if ben, ben, to oh, your credit, yeah. I've always thought of you as the arbiter and judge of reality. Yeah, me too. I would argue that Guster is probably the most famous band we'll get on this podcast. And actually, I would say the zombies are a great example because like, they've got the massive hit but people don't necessarily know their name, you know? It's kind of like that. Yeah, it's funny because my kids are 14 and 12, have been immersed. You know, we have a we have a big vinyl collection and we go through this stuff and I've been building a playlist called Best of the Best that's like the greatest songs of all time ever since they were born just so they could know what Under Pressure was or you know what I mean? Or anything. And and the zombies, And but TikTok's funny, man. TikTok is kind of like it's almost leveling it in a way. A lot of these songs, I'm like, wait, how do you know? Like, there, I, what was it? The other, there was another song the other day. I was like, how do you know that Care one? Care of Self like, 44 oh. or like, Oh yeah. Care of Self 44 came through, but it wasn't a zombie song. Cause we listen to uh, Odyssey and Oracle or Oracle and Odyssey all the time. Like that record is, but there's a bunch of, they have a, what, so is it, what is the big hit on there? Like, uh, Time of the season. Well, like time of the season is what the last track or something. But but I mean, this will be our year. I think is also just like really big in our house. Like we like that's just a song that they've we've played nonstop. But I guess that one didn't really transcend. But I think that. it does. I think you're right. Like the internet will find a song. Yeah. And everyone right. all of a sudden knows it, and it's part of like it's the zeitgeist all over again in a way it hadn't been in. It just things can appear and bubble up. And it doesn't matter. Like they're so detached from the stories. I mean, you'll probably hear me. I probably even talked about this last time. Like I've been on this storytelling tip for the last five years where everything is about storytelling. And like, what's cool about TikTok is that it's, there is no story. You can be a famous band. Like if you were a middle, if you were like a middle-class band, it's like, well, okay. But like, if like, if we wrote a great song, it's like, oh, I saw Guster in high school, but now it's just, it can be a song yeah. really. And it is divorced from the story. It's like, does it grab you within a few seconds? Cause like hit songs aren't really just about like the song. It's about right. the story. Is it SZA or whatever? Like, and I love SZA, like nuts, no diss. She's going like, to be next. She's, we got her next week. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to change the name of the podcast, bro. <laughs> I do now. I have to confess. I have a bunch of song clips queued up. Hopefully not of my band. They're, they're not they're not Guster songs. Okay, good. That's great. They're great. just songs great. we want yeah. you to hear. They're oh, they're okay. a bunch of ours that we want to see if you've heard them or not. Yeah, yeah. Check out our test you on the names. Can we play some new but demos? This is <laughs> you know, this is a young podcast and we do have a premise, and I'm trying to prove that you know I love that your role in this, Jesse, is to keep us on track. <laughs> it's insane. It's it's fucking like, insane. Everybody's like everybody's dancing in the poppy fields, and you're like, Yeah, we need everybody to build up. this ditch. Oh. So I'm going to force you to listen to, and now I noticed that you actually, um, you did me a favor. You made a playlist called Songs You Didn't Realize You Knew. Oh. Songs You Didn't Realize You Knew and a playlist you didn't realize you made. I, I did a playlist I didn't realize I it's made. It's a couple of like the big uh, Guster hits. Okay. And I'm just going to play a little bit. So, so, so Ryan, can you, use the can you name this song? Of mine? Yeah. Okay. 
Tune that up. That's Amsterdam. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Can you can okay, you name the record one. as well? Uh, keep it together. I think. Can you name the Can you name the year of release? Uh, that was ninety. That was two thousand one. Maybe. It's a home run. Two thousand three. I think. Oh, home run. I, was it a I home wrote, run? Uh, triple. Am I supposed to give fun facts about this? Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Can I give you a fun fact? Ooh, about there's that a new song? segment. We'll write a song for it. Yeah. Fun <clears> fact. Okay. Fun fact about that song. The the uh, the thing the uh, the riff the the. I wrote with this guy, Tony Goddess, who we went to college with, and his band in college and after was this band, Papas Fritas. Do you guys know about this band? No. Oh, I'm so psyched about this. <laughs> Dude, this band is and was like, or was and is like, they're, they made four records. Um, they were on this really cool indie label out of Chicago in college, right out of college called Minty Fresh. They went on tour with the Cardigans. They were the cool band. We were not the cool band. They were literally, cool. we couldn't have been different. Um, but then after college, of course, like Tony, who's the singer guy and main songwriter recorder, and he was in tape op like number six, you know, like early on. But his those records are incredible. Like, and the first one. So I please listen, anybody, you guys especially though, like the first one is like super lo-fi, but also really beautiful. And just every one of those records, just they just hold up in this amazing way. Anyway, I can't, I, I never. So wait, so tying this all together, were you, were they like the famous band that you looked up to? Yes, they were. Well, they weren't necessarily famous. But in your funny. heart. Well, they were the cool kids. Like yeah, we always yeah, wanted yeah. to be cool. They were on tour with the Cardigans. They were on Minty Fresh. Yeah. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman talked about their first record in a thing. Like, and we were like the weird, like we were playing at Wetlands and shit. And yeah. and like we had fans in a way that they didn't have fans. And it was sort of, and they they all lived in the Arts House, which was like the cool weirdo kids. And we were like, I lived in ATO that had like the Sailors. I wasn't a frat dude, but like I lived with. It's a longer story, but. You know, I lived with like sailors and I played on the ultimate Frisbee team. Like I was captain of the B team. You know, yeah, it couldn't yeah. have been different in college. But then after college, of course, we became buddies and and he and I wrote that little riff together. Cool. And it was like the coolest thing. I was like, oh, right. Like we can trend. Like if you just do something long enough, this is another theory. Like you kind of wear people down. You know what I mean? Like that's all been the- our business model from the very beginning. <laughs> really though, I'm serious. Like they, everybody has a story about your band, and if you just keep doing it long yeah. enough, and you do it with a certain level of integrity, then people are be like, you know what, man, that band's all right. You know, <laughs> even like everybody that hated your guts. I mean, <laughs> to Tommy, you were in an anarchist anarchist like conspiracy punk band but i mean you know what i mean but like those don't you probably like uh i like that i like your band man chukbuck's pretty cool i I will (laughs) run into someone i a guy i play soccer with i was like tommy you know he does cartoons he has birds he's like no he's like and then and then he ended up working with john thayer and he's like oh i didn't know he was part of drunken sufis (laughs) freaking out about drunken sufis and i was like what world is it but that is the point like you make exactly. stuff that you like. There are other people that like what you like. And if you believe in it and stay in the, the game. Stay in it. Who knows? I, I will say this. It's very funny of you to bring up Drunken Sufis as your anecdote here, though, because we're one of the only bands that has more albums than fans that we accumulated <laughs> <laughs> over the course of a decade. So 
I don't know if we're a good. We stuck it out, but I don't think anybody else came along. Wait, wait till TikTok, man. <laughs> TikTok will find the Sufis. Oh, dude, you should start a Sufis TikTok, oh, man. You should start a oh, yeah. Sufis TikTok. All right, Jesse, did, did we? Did we? I feel like we cut you. Your cut your legs off. Do you want to do some more? Clips? I, well, I it did dawn on me. It dawned on me that I'm in. I'm in a virtual room with three lead singers. <laughs> hey, <you're>, hey. <laughs> and we're all just talking over you. Hey, have you ever heard of Jesse yeah. Dillon and the Scaredy Cats? You're a lead singer too, man. Yeah, <laughs> No, no one's no one's talking over me, but but um, you know, I really did stay up late last night picking fucking song clips. Okay, let's do some more. I, wanna, <laughs> well, I see. This you. is pathetic, but I want to prove to our fan because some of our fans are young. They might not know. I want to just listen to these fucking listen to these yeah, songs. Let's keep going. I like this game. Listen to these. This is the best song. I love <laughs> this song. This is great. It's a good song. I love this song. So glad we wrote this song. Okay, fun facts. Yep. Fun fact. Fun fact about this song. I'm gonna zoom it up for like, the chorus, but yeah, keep no, going. yeah, yeah. Ten years ago, Katy Perry tweeted, "I will never get tired of Satellite by Guster." Wow. And I was like, <laughs> oh. And ever since then, I've been like, I've been like, ple- I've been pecking off like uh, Musgraves came to our. Uh, uh, came to our Nashville show, like all the young Kesha is a pal and like, like loves our band. Like the only one I'm still waiting to hear is if Taylor liked us. But I feel like this was like, this was sort of, this is what I'm going to say before telling me, like, I feel like Guster is like a gateway drug to like good music. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. I think that's right though. Yeah. You hold like it was hand. the first thing, like when people found it when they were 13, 14, it was like not pandering. And it wasn't like, it wasn't so crazy that they couldn't wrap their head around it. It wasn't like Black Midi or something. You know what I mean? But it was like, it was melodic, but it was also. I mean, a you really bit. were one of the first bands that I fell in love with and like Thank listened you. to yeah. a lot. I think that that's kind of a cool thing, as long as that's not our only job. Anyway, th- I love that song. I think Satellite's awesome. I, st- I stand behind that recording. You also like you have so you know, many weird and, and, and Jesse, we're gonna play more songs, I promise. But you do have <laughs> sorry, Jesse. I'm trying to get to you, but one of your superpowers is with the exception of Jukebox the Ghost, you get bands to open for you and then those bands get huge. Well, yeah, we call it the reverse curse. The right? reverse curse. We we've kind of reversed the reverse. You guys didn't really reverse it as much as I wanted to. No, we, we didn't just we just sort of I always root for I mean, I'm always rooting for you guys, but I wanted it to keep going. Yeah. It's been a minute. I'm looking at my question sheet. Everyone who opens for you wins a Grammy? Question mark. Yeah, <laughs> except for you guys. Yeah. You guys got to get in. We're there. still in it, though. We're still in it. Eventually, they'll figure it out. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I definitely believe it. Yeah, it was started with like, it was like I don't know. It was like Train and Maroon Five and Mayor and Fun. Although I think it wasn't Fun. It was Format. And Avid Brothers. And <laughs> that actually is. I didn't know it was all those artists. That's insane. That, that's insane. That's insane. Although Avid didn't actually go on tour with us. All those other bands like actually toured with us, and we became friends. And then just said, "Oh, bye, see you." And these are bands that like were open. They had the opening slot. Like the. Oh yeah, yeah. Maroon Five. We did a week with them. Like right when it was, their record had been out a year. You know how their first record had been out like a year. And they were like, "Yeah, this is starting to happen." I for was them. actually, a yeah. Huge yeah, I believe that you that you like. I, I love that when they were Karis, Karis flowers. flowers. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you were early on Karis Flowers and Mayer did four dates with us, a solo acoustic, and played "What You Wish For" backstage. But he was such a cocksucker <laughs> um, back then. 
you know, he's the same as what he was. And I got, I was so mad. Like you'll appreciate this. Like he played his first show was us in Texas. He played and he opened the acoustic and he left his stuff on stage for our crew to get. No. And we were just like, who the fuck is this guy? And then in Atlanta was our last show. He opened up for us at Tabernacle. You guys ever played there? Like the yeah. house of blues and like, so it, it was the middle of his show and we were backstage and I couldn't hear any music. I couldn't hear any cheering. And I was like, Oh shit, something broke. And I walked out front and Mayor just like was talking like he talks and he had everybody in the palm of his hand. Like he was just like, it was like, Oh fuck, this guy's good. Isn't he? And then he was like, and that's when I kind of paid attention and I like, I was like, Oh, you're cool. <laughs> and then we ended up doing a co quote unquote co-headlining tour right when he was blowing up like same font size, but it was like, Oh no, no, we're not, we're not, we're not co-headlining. And I like, and we were pals for a while. Yeah, like I can really say like, and he's, you know, he's a complicated dude, but yeah, he just, that was like, okay, that's not even similar, but it was hard for a while to kind of watch that happen. But I was also like, I kind of, I don't know. You don't have a lot of self. I feel like there's the, our, our reverse experience is any band that's open for us or tour with us for the most part just is no longer a band. <laughs> oh, you that's, kill that's them. Sort of our <laughs> yeah, thing. pretty much. Like, it's not a reverse curse. It's no, just, we just a we curse. just ruin careers. Um, <laughs> Wait, what's your list? Who, who uh, bands have wait, you, you killed? Wanna, you want a bunch of what, the bands yeah, that have opened please. for us that don't exist anymore? Yeah, please. It's all of them. All of them. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Well, give me five. Give me two. Uh, via audio, Little Daylight. Uh, not miniature tigers. They're going strong. Tigers, they're they still going. It. Maybe this isn't I so good of a think game. Of well, the problem is a lot of them. Well, they don't exist. They don't exist. So I've forgotten their names. <laughs> yeah, they're not John Mayer. <laughs> they're, just, they're not John Mayer. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, listen, and all power to John Mayer. Just so we close the loop on that, I think that I have so much respect for Sexy Jerry. He went full bear claw and like discovered the dead, and now he's the lead singer of the dead. You know what I mean? He's sexy Jerry Garcia, man. He figured it out. It's fucking crazy. It's like I and I run into him from I ran into him recently. I run into him from time to time, and I'm just like, good job, dude. Like I'm not mad at that guy at all. I think that guy is like totally. So he figured he knew he knew what he was doing and figured out the system. And he's really smart, really obviously very talented and super funny too. Also very big ego, but. Whatever. Well, sp- speaking of the opening grind, I know Jesse, you want to. Uh, we'll, we'll. We should get back to that. But oh, yeah. we um, get back to Jesse's clips. No, it's fine. <laughs> but since we're talking about the opening grind, I was kind of curious because you know when I saw you guys in '99, I thought of you guys as like it was my first time hearing you guys. But I remember being like, "Oh, this band is like this band is big" because it was like a big outdoor show. And uh, how long did you guys like grind it out in like uncomfortable touring, like van, like van touring? I think van life because we graduated from college. I think a huge part because you guys started in school, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And I always call those years as training wheels, yeah. right? Because it's like that's that flip from being in a band and then being able to tour and having day jobs that allow you to tour, especially back in the day, like you know before the internet or whatever, like. It was hard. So we were able, like college allowed us to like, we literally graduated from college in 95 and didn't have jobs. We were making enough money. We like got into playing colleges that were paying 750 bucks a show. So we rented an apartment for 750 bucks a month and lived in it. And then we would just write, like nobody had jobs. Yeah. So we call college like our, our training wheel time. So we like the day we graduated from college, we had bought a van for like, eight grand and, you know, drove out to Chicago and played a 
you know, the Northwest, we played a, a show at Northwestern called Dillo Days. And this kid, his junior, made a video for us for his like junior year project. And we just kind of like, we, we walked off graduation stage into the van and we like, it was four years in the van. I mean, we, I think that was a pretty, it was yeah. a, literally a four year period until we kind of like got enough fans that, that made sense that we could afford a bus. That's great. But it was also four years of like college. So I think, yeah, I think it was probably like six years of grinding. But I mean, I don't know. Bus tours are still kind of grinding. <laughs> we still we still play to like two hundred fifty people. It's all, grind. it's all a grind. We uh, it's funny. Yesterday when we were like doing the preliminary chat, I was like, "Hey, we might ask you about like a, a tour story." And you rightfully called oh. me on saying, "You're just asking like, what's the zaniest, craziest thing you've done on the road." Which is, for all of you college interviewers, the thing that we get asked that's the worst question ever. Except for the band name. I, and you've redeemed it by being like, and then I'm going to ask you how you got your band name. Not that I thought. <laughs> which, which I almost one. did. I almost did. So I think it is time for this segment. Here you go. You even get a theme song to, pro- to get your head straight. This is Toro Stories. <laughs> oh, wait. I didn't think about this. Toro Stories. You're on an endless highway, heading into Ohio. You hear the chilling whisper of Ira Glass on the radio. We have uh, stories today about unpredictable kinds of things that can happen. It's three hours past midnight, you shiver as you realize your fate. On this never-ending tour, there's no exit. And you regret the slimy, scary, hairy, greasy, pre-wrapped truck stop sausage biscuit thing you ate. Tour stories. <laughs> how, have you, how have you not made a musical yet, Ben? Yes. Jesus Christ. You don't, I'm, I'm actually, I, I, I'm working on two musicals and they're very close. Yeah. Good. I really would be upset. Yeah, I would be upset if that was not the answer. Sidebar about musicals. You just need to do that like today or like a million. That's honestly mostly what I was doing today. So it's happening. I'm glad. Good. That needs to happen. Thank you. I didn't think about this. I mean, I have a stock one. Wish I didn't tell this one again. I've told this. Okay. What about? Can 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 maybe we'll ask you some questions. We know Brian's. (laughs) Wait, what's Brian? Should we tell your tour? Brian's worst one. it, well, isn't isn't he the one that Wait. got left at the truck stop in the middle yeah, of the night? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, he got he got he got oil spotted. We call it oil spotting. That's a bad one. I mean, my one, our, the the horror story is pretty good actually. It, it, it is good. It's a little bit stock, but why don't you give me some some questions and I bet we can figure. Here, it out. I was just gonna say, okay, like in those van touring, like when we were doing the van touring days, like. You know, we're you know playing for shows where there's no sound system, or we're like sleeping on the floor and of the van in, I don't know, of like some person's house that said we could stay with them, and there's just like dirty clothes and like cock rings and like a yapping dog, and like like that was most of our first couple of years. Same. We did four years of that, right? So like, pick a night. Yeah, that okay. So here's here's one that's pretty good. That that was pretty. That was like the worst. It was it was it reminds me like <laughs> yeah. the Sea of Middle Fingers actually. Was pretty close when we yeah. did like an alternative radio show <laughs> in Florida. And it was just like, it was like, we were, it was like 
Power Man 5000. There was, I'm trying to think of some of the bands. It was just like, oh, fuck. And it was, and Brian was late and we were playing, playing like, I want to be sedated. We're like, oh, let's play Ramones. And like, it was just like middle fingers everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just, just to do, we did, we, we, on that Dirty Edge tour, we played Rage Against the Machine to try to endear them to us. It worked. It worked, but they still were like, that's piano and that sucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, I see you. I'm like, wait, was that, was that your horse? Well, that has to be of your. Uh, Worst yeah, tour. that's the worst. That's the worst tour. We actually dressed like they told, took me aside. They were like, "Jesse, you're dressed a little, a little weird." I'm like, "I'm wearing a sleep, like sleeveless flannel and a bolo tie, and a fedora." <laughs> What's weird about that? <laughs> Truly. Well, I think, I think, I think uh, Ben and I felt like our lives were in danger, so we started yeah. wearing. We grew out our beards and we're wearing backwards baseball hats just to like, so we wouldn't throw anybody yeah. off. You yeah. Know? We saw wearing yeah. backwards hats just to live, just to live, just to live another day. <laughs> I mean, there were stabbings. I feel like. Two, oh, the band, you know that band Luna? Yeah. Yeah. We love Luna. They opened up for us for like three shows. And one of them was in Philly at the Electric Factory. And it was like a rowdy crowd. And at one point, Dean Wareham goes into the microphone. I wish I were dead. <laughs> and it's not even the worst part because I love Luna. He wrote about that. No. Saying that in his autobiography. <laughs> Uh, and then I ran into him and Britta, who they make beautiful records in LA at some party. And, and he's like, they're super nice to me now. And I think it's like, I know that sucked. All right. Here's a, here's a, here's an actual good horror story. Okay. So we played in Chicago. I don't know what year this is. Early 2000s. This thing called Rockfest. It was literally like a corporation was like, we're going to have a concert. And it was like <laughs> Limp Bizkit, Bare Naked Ladies, like... Uh, like the word, like it made no sense. And it was sponsored by Osmobile. It's like an AI generated concert. Oh my God. It was an AI generated fucking concert. And, and there was a, on stage, there was a, uh, there was an Osmobile, like half of a car sticking out of it. And they were playing commercials in between bands. There was an ape being like, woof, woof, who wants a shirt? And they were shooting out <laughs> Osmobile t-shirts and everything felt so shitty. And it was the worst fucking thing I've ever felt. And like, there was no flow. It was like a metal band into something. And um, there's this band, Tragic, you know, the band Tragically Hip from Canada. Of course. Sure. So we had, we were signed, uh, we were both on Sire at the same time. So we had spent a little bit of time with them and Gord Downey, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's like one of the most righteous like artists to ever live on the planet. You know, they, he's sort of said, sometimes said like the Canadian Michael Stipe, but it's just so deep, like a true poet and just one of the most authentic human beings of all time. I think beyond like the, the hip are great, but if you listen to his solo records and if you ever listen to his banter, like he was just like, he was the most fucking righteous dude ever. And like he, they were playing also. So it was right before we went on. I was like, I saw him. I was like, Gord, I was like, I don't know what to do. I, I hate this. I can't, I don't know what I I've like, I felt all like, I felt like an activist. This is like pre reverb, like before there was, and it's like, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, speak your truth, Ryan. And I was like, okay, Gord, I'm going to. And I went on stage and I said, how many of you guys even fucking want 
Oldsmobile t-shirts. I was like, yeah. like I mean, booed the whole time, but I said something. And this, and it was like, it was terrible. Like our set was, everybody hated us. And I got one cheer for that. Kind of like when you play Rage Against the Machine with yeah. Dirty Heads. And then we got off stage and they like refused to pay us. Wow. They were like, you bad mouth the thing. And then it became a thing. And then our like, and then we got into like the Chicago, like, like the Chicago Tribune. Like it became a moment where we was like, band stands no. up for their thing. And I was like, it's all gourd, gold told me to speak <laughs> truth or whatever. So it kind of was like a little bit of, not a humble brag, but it like it turned around. But man, it was like, and Woodstock 99, there was like, that was pretty fucking, that was Wait, weird. You were there? Yeah. You played that? Yeah, we were first band on, on Saturday. No. I think we made it in the dock, apparently just like on a wall. Yeah, I watched When the that dock. dock came out, I would get like random texts. Yeah, there's like a moment. Like I don't think we made it in the thing, but that I didn't was think fucking, that you, that was your uh, that was a disaster too. Yeah, yeah. You must have you must have savored the. Uh, there was a documentary that came out. Oh, that's what you're talking about. The doc, that doc, the yep, doc, yep, the doc. Did you experience the craziness? Like, or were you out of there? Yeah, because I stayed. I think I stayed and ate acid, you know, for the for the next two days. And we hitchhiked home. And I remember like the Sunday, the whole thing, like catching on fire. And that was also weird because that was our label guys. This guy, John Cher, put on the show. It was crazy. You know, have you are you friends with Folds at all? Are you guys pals with him? Like We, we did a tour with him. Uh, uh, no, we did three weeks with him and asked to meet him on the last day. Oh no, really? It was a real bummer. Yeah. We were green. Yeah. He's a weird one. He has a really, he has a really good story on his, his work. Like he told, cause we did a tour of summer with him and Rufus Wainwright. And it was like, and he was like, he played brick on SNL and he was like, that was my moment. He's like, I could have gone either way. And it was just like, I ruined really? it. And like everything went the other way. Like he just didn't play well. I think, and it just sort of like he felt like that was his, you know, sliding doors moment in a way, and I, and it was weird. But I mean, he's had an amazing career. He just put out a record with Joe too. Actually. I do, do want to. I'm going to toot your horn for one second on that because we, your tour, the tour we did with you, was not that long after the Ben Folds tour, and the Ben Folds tour, I will now take a lot more responsibility. Like we were late, we were idiots, we were like eating their green room food, uh, whatever. But one, like once. I had I, once and we got cold. We thought they had left and we went and took the cliff bars and then got in so much trouble with their tour manager, Ashley. Uh, uh, well, that, they were on their bus. We didn't know. We got relegated. Anyway, yeah. we didn't know what the fuck was happening. But, you know, me, I was a huge Ben Folds fan. And I was like, we're going to be playing are. piano together, hanging on the bus. Yeah. And like nothing. He was flying into the dates. He was flying out. I now oh. get it. He'd been touring forever. Jaded didn't want to be. Was it, a, was it a solo? Was it Folds or Folds 5? It was Folds, but it was also when he was doing the acapella stuff. So he had like a different acapella group open the show every night. Oh. So, you know, this With poor dude having to do a meet and greet with, you know, 30 acapella kids in every town. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was a real bummer for me. And they're the worst. Yeah. We're not, yeah. But anyway, I was like, man, are all these artists that I look up to, is it going to be kind of a bummer, right? Like, is this going to suck? Right, don't be your heroes. But when we went out, like, went on tour with you guys, you all were so, like, welcoming and warm and awesome and down to hang and took us out yeah. to dinner. And, like, really was like, that's how I want to handle the openers whose careers I'm going to ruin for the next 15 years. You're going to right. But as soon as they open for you, you're like, Hey, welcome. Have <laughs> yeah. a good time. Cause you'll never Enjoy be Enjoy your last again. record. Motherfucker. I, I also think like that tour with you guys, uh, the first tour with you guys hit us at sort of a pivotal time too, where I think I also saw you guys as like a model of like how we could keep going. Cause I was like, well, these guys are three people that have known each other since college. And like, sure. We might have our bumps in the road, but like they're, 
still hanging and having a good time and playing playing great music maybe we could do that too so you guys were you guys were very motivating for us at that point in our career that tour for us was the bare naked ladies tour because we did we did their like their arena tour when they had a stunt when it was like they had one week was their number one song and we did the entire country opening up for them and it i had that exact same experience tommy where i was just like man, how are we going to do this with families? How are we going to make this happen? Like, and I just like, and then they told me all their stories. I was like, oh, right. They're also a barely functioning dysfunctional family. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, oh, and the thing I learned from them was just that like, they would air it, you know, all their funny bits and stuff. Like, I just thought that would have to stop when we got bigger, you know, but they were doing it in an arena and it was the yeah. best part of the night. Yeah. And I just learned like so much. They were so cool to us and the same shit, like invite us backstage and we'd hang out and they were, and like, and I could ask them questions. I remember one night I was like, what was it like when you got rich? And he was like, here's what happened. And I was like, this is the best fucking thing ever. Because it was no, like I could just, I could just talk to them and they yeah. told me everything. And I learned so much. And we got so many fans from that because we were playing in front of like, you know, 12 to 18,000 people a night. And then we would go sign CDs. And like, even yeah. now, if you like go to our, like our super fan, like on our Facebook whatever group and you see how many people saw us for the first time on that tour it was huge so like those opportunities are like insane like if you get the right one the bnl fans are those are real fans the ones that like because we even did years later we opened for bnl on a couple just a couple weeks with them. We did the ships and dip cruise yeah. together. It was around the same time, actually. We some and it's not a as you guys, not yeah. as. Did we do a ships and dip together? We did, yeah. We did, we did. Yeah, okay. Remember, yep. remember all the good times we had. I mean, <laughs> I remember we did it two or three of those, and they were the best. So we fun. did the last one. We did the one that was we could have any cabin we wanted to because people were done. Oh, with ships good and for dip. you. It was guys. like decent yeah. history. It was what 2010. I don't know. All that to say what is like we still have people that come to our shows from the bare naked lady like. Their fans are good fans and appreciate good music. Yeah, we try. I think I think that we're trying to still. I know we ask you guys to do some shows and we couldn't pay you enough money. And I'm sorry. We wanted to really bad. We really wanted to. We just couldn't make it work. <laughs> Which I also respect. I know. Listen, I know. It's I get it. And it was also like it's always the thing of just like and some of the shows were sold out and some of them were You didn't need to pay like, us to overpay us to play a show that sold out. No, no. And I also respect I mean, the even like Karina who's uh Reichman who's out with us was just like took a massive pay cut to kind of do it. And I was like, and we're, we're really good friends with her. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And this sucks. And I want to pay, but it's like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like we can't, there, there's a lot of, there's You're a, the realist dude. You don't even, this is sorry. so ridiculous. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> no. Didn't you also I, stay at my mother's house once? Oh, I loved your mother. This is how real you are. I remember that was like one of the, that was like one of the better nights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what's the opposite of horror story? Cause like you, is that, your, was that your partner? Is that no, still? No, no, there's no way. Okay. <laughs> I'm engaged, but. Not to whoever that was. Not to whoever that was. No. <laughs> Not to whoever that was. No. That's my question. No. But I just remember there was something where it was on the water. Oh, was it Doris? In Boston, outside of Boston in Winthrop, Mass. Oh, so seductive. And it was like, it was like yeah. Franny and Zoe in there. It was like everything was like chaotic and arty and i was like oh dude jesse's got a whole thing i like i wanted to live there i was like you said you told my mother never sell that house she's still to this day 
talks about selling the house, but has no. Yeah, let me call her. And whatever she does, can I just (laughs) dream me in? Just, just like merge me in a call and be like, you don't know me, but I've seen some shit, man, and that shit's special. Where are you gonna go? You gonna Newton? You're going to live in Newton? Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't go to Newton. That's right. You went to college not too far from my mother's house. I remember that house. It was like windows and ceilings were low and everything was like, there wasn't candles, but there should have been. Why were you there? just came to hang. How did you end up? Like, what? I think we played a show at, I I think we might have played at Brandeis together. Just a one-off. Oh. That's coming back to me. Guster Guster did. Yeah. And um, I don't know why you were there, but I know- I think I, I think I was trying to stay in town and I was like, oh, I'm just trying to find a place to crash. And you're like, oh, you can cr- <laughs> did I crash at your mom's house? <laughs> well, then like this was, we were yeah, like- and we all have been like, you got, it's like, it's not what you think. It's awesome. It's a great house. No, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But like when normally like, like come stay with at my mom's house, it's like, what are you going to just like have a sandwich? No, it's not it's sleeping like, on the pizza box underneath the pool table. No, this is real deal. I remember that. Yeah. I honestly think it was just we wanted to hang out and we were they're kicking us out of the venue. I think that was it too. I think we were having a good time. Something like that. Ryan, don't you think we should have Jesse's mom on as a guest on the podcast? A hundred percent. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll happen. I met her once. Legendary. She's the best. Yeah. She did good. No, I mean I'm sure it's I'm sure it's hazy. I can barely remember the woman. <laughs> but uh the woman. God forbid she hears All right, this. Look, what else? Do you have any more clips, Jesse? I have clips. So he has not, like okay. Ryan, just, he has eight. I'm like I'm I'm like basically halfway through this bottle of tequila. By the way. <laughs> yeah. We can just keep going. I know I have a film score that's due tomorrow, but fuck it, let's just do this. You're already at an hour. Right. I wanted to ask you about film we scores. We have a lot to Man, talk about. Maybe so to talk about. This is see, but first we have to play eight more of your songs and see if you can guess the You can also, you you know what we do in my podcast when there's something that's too big for one, we just call it a part one.
Pretty soon I'm gonna be famous A little more famous than you Certain people will greet my name with A proud and mighty And one glorious day my songs will be played at an airport chili's too. Why, yes, I'm gonna be famous, and you can be famous too.